Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. If you're an adult age 21 and older and use nicotine or tobacco, I want to tell you about Black Buffalo's award-winning nicotine pouches. What are they made of? Cured edible green leaves, food-grade ingredients, and pharmaceutical-grade nicotine. No tobacco leaf or stem. So if you're 21 and older, consume nicotine or tobacco and want to join the Black Buffalo herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online and they ship directly to most states. Or check out their store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. What is up, everyone? Free and out with John Middlecoff. Back at you on the Colin Coward Podcast Network. Uh, Coming at you live again on Wednesday. Subscribe, rate, review on iTunes. You can find it on on iHeart. Find it anywhere you listen to your podcast. But I got to start with this. I I, I waited this morning. I I wanted to watch the Sam Darnold Pro Day on NFL Network. Uh, it's, I, we'll talk a little bit about pro days. I'm sure in the next several weeks leading up to the draft, I've been to many pro days and today was a really big day. I I think Sam Darnold is the number one pick in the draft. Jimmy Haslam was at the USC pro day. Uh, the the huge, huge, uh, I, I see, I'm watching it actually kind of wrap up right now. I see John Dorsey, Hugh Jackson in the back. He's going to be the first pick. But today was a huge day for Sam Darnold. And I think today probably solidified himself as the number one pick. Because typically in California, the weather, especially when you play at SC or UCLA or San Diego State, hell, Stanford or or Cal, you're going to have pretty good weather in in mid-March when these programs host their pro day. Well, I, I know as when I scouted in Philadelphia, sometimes it was difficult especially when you're looking at quarterbacks, because they never played in inclement weather situations. Maybe if you played in Southern California, and I saw this with Derek Carr when he was at Fresno State, you might go to a game or two throughout your career, whether you're playing at Nevada, at Oregon, 
and it just may happen to be a torrential downpour or maybe Colorado and it's snowing, but it's not guaranteed. It's not like, you know, in the Big Ten Conference when you go at Michigan, at Ohio State, at Penn State late in October and the weather turns. That, that's not what it's like out here on the West Coast, especially in Southern California. But that is what it's like. If you're the Cleveland Browns, you have to beat the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Baltimore Ravens, and the Cincinnati Bengals. Well, late in the winter, in November and December, it gets cold. It gets windy. It gets miserable. Today it rained in Southern California. That's I don't know if you've Googled, uh, if you don't live in California, it doesn't rain often here. And especially once you get, you know, probably below Central California. It is very, very rare. It's called, it's called this thing we like to call a drought. Uh, we don't get much water. So for John Dorsey, Jimmy Haslam, Hugh Jackson, I, Pat Shermer's there, if for whatever reason he were to fall the two, uh, today was a big day because you got to see this player in a situation where the ball's wet. There's always questions with hand size. I saw this with Jared Goff a couple years ago. The difference is with Jared Goff, and and same with Derek Carr, I there is a level, if you're a quarterback, and you're from California, and you grow up in California, then you go to a California college, and then you're able to play professional football in California, you just don't see inclement weather often. And you get accustomed, I don't want to call you soft, but there is an element to your game that you're not used to playing in 15 degrees, in 20 degrees, in howling winds, in freezing conditions. He just he, Jared Goff, the rest of his career, is going to play the majority of his games eight a year in Los Angeles. He's going to get to play another one at Levi Stadium in, in Santa Clara and Arizona. That, that's 10 of his 16 games every year are going to be in good weather situations. It's Tom Brady, who's born and raised, went to Sarah High School, in the Bay Area, ended up going to Michigan, and then has played his entire career in New England. He is no longer, he's accustomed to bad weather. He has become a bad weather quarterback. That's, I don't even look at him like a California quarterback. Ben Roethlisberger, Miami of Ohio, then plays for the Pittsburgh Steelers for 15 plus years. He gets accustomed, now he was, he's, you know, from the Midwest, you get used to just playing in that bad weather. It becomes part of your game. It's a lot harder for California quarterbacks to play in that weather when they're not used to it. Now, that doesn't mean you can't become accustomed to it. Look at Aaron Rodgers from Chico, California, went to Cal, has obviously excelled in Green Bay. But I think it took him time. He was lucky enough to redshirt basically for three years in the NFL and get accustomed and get used to the cold. And I don't think if if you were Jimmy Haslam, if you were Hugh Jackson, if you were John Dorsey, who's ultimately making the pick, today has to make you feel so much better. And I know it's not its not like it's 10 degrees and there's sleet coming down, but I got to see Sam Darnold throw in rain and, and a little wind with receivers that aren't that good. And today helps me sleep at night knowing that when that draft starts, it, to me it's a no-brainer. Sam Darnold's the pick. I, I know that there's been a knock that he turns the ball over too much. I, I'll be honest, I don't give a shit. Uh, I've watched every snap he's had in college. I watch every SC game. And let me let me tell you a couple things, the, the way the NFL looks at it. His head coach, Clay, Clay Helton, seems like a great guy, average coach. His wide receiving crew this year, I don't know if he has an NFL player that he was throwing to. 
Like that matters. That that factors in for me. And I've talked to some people in the NFL that just throw on a game of him. If you watch him in a vacuum, you can if you just throw on the Cal game, you go, you know, I I don't really see it, and that's fair. He is not just going to maybe pop off the screen on a given game. But if you have taken his in his entire career, there is something special about this guy. He has a he has a loopier release. I don't want to call it Tim Tebow because that would that sounds terrible, but it is longer. But Daniel Jeremiah has been saying this from day one on the NFL Network and texting with him, and he's so right. You can have a longer release if you get rid of the ball quickly. Like, his long release doesn't slow down the release of the football. Tim Tebow, his long release, it took forever for the ball to get out of his hands. That's not the case with Sam Darnold. The ball, the ball gets out of Sam Darnold's hands quickly. He's also a big-time athlete. He's also, again, I, I don't like using this, the quote-unquote it factor, but it exists. Some people just have something special to their game. And when you watch Sam Darnold play with, I, I think, two of the, definitely in 2017, 2016 team w- was better. But in 2017, his USC team was not good. His coach was average. And I, I, I thought he, he attempted, and that's where I think a lot of his interceptions came, to carry the program. The entire program was on his back. That's why, as a, as a West Coast football and Pac-12 homer, I'm a little nervous that, you know, our our best team, our best program in USC, how are they going to do next year without by far their best player? It's where I, I was talking to some people at the scouting combine. If I was a Penn State fan, they've depended pretty heavily on Saquon Barkley these last couple years. I'd be a little nervous. Now, they're a little more equipped. James Franklin's done a better job recruiting and just is a better coach than Clay Helton. But I'm telling you, I, I think Sam Darnold, do you know what I think he is? And I heard Mayock compare him to Tony Romo. I don't know if he's quite Tony Romo, if he's going to be quite as good as Tony Romo. Tony Romo is pretty damn good in his prime. But I do think in his physical attributes, he's a little bit better of a, of a pure thrower than Alex Smith. But what Alex has become in Kansas City, like a, a high-level starter, you know, from starter 8 to 12, somewhere in there. I, I think Sam Darnold can become that. And I think he can do that in Cleveland which no one has ever been able to do, which is a which is a huge task for any human, especially a 20, a 21-year-old college kid. But I, I think he's special. And if you've taken in Sam Darnold's entire career, which I have, uh, if, if you know people in the program, which I do, and you find out about the guy, I, I'm betting on him. I, I think he's going to succeed. I think he's going to be a really good player in the NFL. Is he an Andrew Luck-level prospect? No. of quarterbacks aren't. Marcus Mariota wasn't. Carson Wentz wasn't. Uh, Jared Goff wasn't. A a lot of quarterbacks are not. That's that's not a criticism. He has blemishes just like most prospects do in this draft. But I'm telling you, Cleveland, when they take him, and, and they will, it'll be one of the best decisions the franchise has made in a long, long time. Let's move up the road to UCLA. If you live in California, you know you got to hop on the 405. And let's talk about Josh Rosen. There was a trade made. I guess it would have been made on Saturday, so five or six days ago. You know, I don't necessarily love it. No-brainer for the Colts. 
For the Jets, my biggest issue with going from 6-3 to three is you don't know exactly who's going to be there. It's one thing to go from 6-2, to two, you know, in a two-quarterback draft if you love them both. I understand this is a four-quarterback draft. The likelihood that they think they view three quarterbacks as equals in the draft to me seems a little unrealistic. But ultimately, I get what they're trying to do. I just don't like making the trade this early. But that's really kind of irrelevant because the trade has been made. I do think when you look at the way everything is potentially playing out, the Jets may end up being lucky. and Like I just said, I'm a huge Sam Darnold guy. I think he's going to be an excellent player in this league. I view him as like a better version of Alex Smith. You know, a quarterback that... You know, probably if he peaks, and I mean peaks, he'd be like five, six, seven range in the NFL. I don't know if he'd ever be an elite player. More than likely somewhere in the 8 to 12 range. That's that's damn good. You can win. Andy Reid's been going to the playoffs with Alex Smith for the last five years. You know, you, you, everyone wants Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. There's only so many of those guys. Peyton Manning ain't walking through that door for most, for most franchises. I will say this. The most talented player in this draft from the quarterback perspective. And I I you could argue just overall player, but let's just just talk quarterbacks. Is Josh Rosen for me. And and I don't really think it's that close. Just pure talent. There's more to the quarterback than just ability though. The mental capacity, personality, there, there's so much more that, but just in a vacuum, Josh Rosen for me is the number one quarterback on my draft board and I'm not really sure it's that close because he is the one guy of the group. I'm not a Josh Allen guy. I don't give a shit if he can throw it 500 yards and throws it 500 miles an hour. I I, I just don't like him. I'm I'm not buying in on that. I I don't believe inaccurate quarterbacks just get to the NFL just because they have a big-time arm and just become really accurate. So I'm out. Maybe I'll be proven wrong, but I I like my chances. History's on my side. So I'll bet against that. Josh Rosen's a pretty fascinating case because just pure talent, if he was, you know, had, had never had any injury issues, I think he's had a shoulder concussion. He, he's had some. He's had some question marks in his career with staying healthy, and I, that's that's fair. That that is a fair criticism or question mark on him, and that's a big deal at the next level. The only the best ability is availability. I think as Herm Edwards once famously said, but it, but it is true. You cannot help your team in the training room. You know you can't help the the, the club in the tub. It, it's true. He has to stay on the field. But I, if you're going to draft him really high, which he's going to go high, you're betting on his ability to stay healthy. But from a talent standpoint, if somehow the Jets end up with Josh Rosen at three, that when it's all said and done, they may have ended up getting the best quarterback in the draft. And I also think they may have the guy that's most equipped to handle what they're looking for. Because when, when you're coming to the New York Jets, we like to make fun of them like the Cleveland Browns, but they're really not like the Cleveland Browns. They are the second team in their market and living in the Bay Area. I, I know what it's like to be around a two-team market. The, the Raiders, there's a huge inferiority complex when you're the second team in your market to the big boy, to the team that the majority of the fans in that area root for. And, and for me, in, in the area in which I live, it's the, it's the 49ers. And sometimes your moves and the way you do things are, are based on just – there's a, there's a fundamental core belief – that is interwoven from your owner to your fans. And maybe it's a little different with their Jets because Woody Johnson has so much money. But they know. that they're not, number, they're not team number one in their own market. That affects the way you do things. 
And that's where I think they did get a little desperate with this trade so early. But again, if they end up with Josh Rosen, he is the type guy that can change their franchise. Because what do you hear a lot about him? He's super arrogant. Well, if you're going to take over the New York Jets in, in that market, uh, I think you got to be a little arrogant. He's also really smart. That, that plays in New York. I, 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 being smart works there. Here's the, here's the biggest key, though. And I, I think in these big boy markets, in the Bay Area, New York, Los Angeles, uh, Dallas, Texas, like the one thing, they, they've seen a lot of talent come through. If, if you're 50 years old in a major market, you've seen big-time players over your life. You know what it looks like. And the most important attribute that Josh Rosen has, he's a big-time talent. And I think people respect that, and they'll give you a chance. Because right away, New York Jets haven't had a quarterback worth a damn since Chad Pennington. And Chad Pennington is not as talented as Josh Rosen. I I got news for you, it's not even close. Does that mean Josh Rosen's going to be as good of a quarterback as Chad Pennington? I I don't know. But from a talent standpoint, again, it is not close. Here's the other thing. Josh Rosen's coming from a a big-time... UCLA is not SC, like... It's the equivalent probably of the Jets and Giants from a football program standpoint. It's the second biggest program in in the area, in Los Angeles. But it's still a pretty big deal. He's been really famous now for several years. Like, really, really famous. So, he is equipped. Uh, when you look at Oklahoma, Baker Mayfield, and listen, I'm a Baker Mayfield guy. But if I had to pick if I'm the Jets between Baker Mayfield and Josh Rosen, to me, I'm not even hesitating. I'm taking Josh Rosen. Baker Mayfield, small town guy. Went to Texas Tech, then had to transfer to Oklahoma. Now, Oklahoma is a massive program. But Norman, Oklahoma is a pretty insulated little area. And as we've seen, I don't want to say Baker struggled with some stuff, but it, he's had some some of the transitions from interviews at the Senior Bowl and things you're hearing, you know, some of his interviews at the Combine. You know, it's like, welcome to the real world, Baker. You're, you're not in, you know, little rural Norman, Oklahoma anymore. I mean, this is, this is the National Football League. Now, again, Josh Rosen has played, even though his conference hasn't been as good, and he didn't even play on that good of teams at UCLA, he's been in the big boy market. Everyone's been watching every move he's made in Los Angeles. He's a talking point from radio stations to television to you name it, and there is a pressure that he's used to that I'm not sure, just just in terms of being the face of a franchise – that I think he's a little more equipped day one. Now, does that mean big picture, long term, he's going to be able to handle it? I don't know. But I think from day one, going to New York, the firestorm that's going to come, he's definitely more equipped. And then again, Josh Allen is on a completely different level, coming from a tiny little program in Wyoming that was not a blue chip you know, recruit, that really was a late bloomer, that didn't produce the pressure that would be on him would be so immense. He's never, he can't even comprehend feeling anything close to that. Can't even comprehend. Now, Baker has played in massive games. He's obviously been in the playoffs. I'm not saying that he hasn't felt the pressure because obviously playing at Oklahoma, it's a, it's a bigger deal than playing at UCLA. It's a, it's a better football program. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying every day living in LA is a lot different than Norman, Oklahoma, and he's going to be much more equipped when he goes to New York if he does. And also, just from the simple fact, he's just a more physically gifted player than Baker Mayfield. So if it goes down to those two players, which I I do think both players will be on the board when the Jets draft. So while I don't love the trade, trading so far ahead of the draft, not knowing who is going to be there, 
I do think somehow it's just going to break and they're going to get lucky enough where both these two guys are going to be on the board. To me, it's a no-brainer. You go with Josh Rosen. You go with the bigger, more talented player, the guy with more upside, and really the guy that's wired that might be just crazy enough, might be just smart enough to save your franchise. Let's get into Bill Belichick. The pro day circuit's going around, and I'm sure if you have a Twitter account, you've seen constant videos of Belichick popping up, as he always does, in the South Circuit. You know, the Alabamas, the Georgias, the Tennessees, the Florida States, all that. He does it basically every year. I'm actually watching a documentary. It's kind of like a it's a series, but it's also a documentary on Hugh Hefner. And when you... When you think Hugh Hefner, you think this old dude, especially if you're, you know, my relative close to my age, I'm 33, super old guy, sleep with a bunch of young women. This documentary starts actually when he started Playboy back in the, I think it was like 1953 or 1954. And the two things in this documentary that are really fascinating was just what a genius Hugh Hefner was, how ahead of his time he was with branding, with marketing, and how hard he worked. By basically the mid-60s, they were an absolute American brand powerhouse. Uh, he was a multimillionaire, started from nothing, absolute grinder. I mean, I mean, worked 24-7 on this magazine, was all in, had just constant ideas, was just so ahead of his time with the way he thought about not just business, not, not just his brand, how seriously every detail mattered to him. Uh, it's just a, it's a fascinating watch on, on Amazon video. I, I highly recommend it. But it got, it got me thinking, just because Bill Belichick is constantly showing up on my my timeline, that just how ahead of the curve Bill Belichick is. He is not only smarter th- than your head coach, but he outworks your head coach. And he's always thinking of things that help him come the fall, and when they play games, get an edge. He did this several years ago when the CBA changed. And he was able to realize there's not going to be double days. The, the days of, you know, the Junction Boys, Bear Bryant, weeks weeks on end of double uh, padded practices, no water breaks. Those were a thing of the past. You're not even allowed to have double days anymore. So what did he do? He went joint practices. He'd have multiple joint practices with an opposing team during training camp. Clearly benefited him because he makes the AFC Championship or the Super Bowl just about every year. Something else I've noticed. The last, it feels like since that CBA change, he constantly goes on the circuit to the South. The SEC, the ACC, and a Southern little swing. And he's, he, his draft picks are basically 30, 31, 32 every year. He is never drafting anywhere near the top 10, let alone in the teens, let alone in the high 20s. He's always drafting. He's not necessarily going on this swing to see players that he's going to draft. He is scouting. Because go back and look at the draft the last 10 years. A large majority of players, not just in, even in the first round, in the second round as well, are coming from the South. The SEC, smaller schools in the South, and the ACC schools like Miami, Florida State, and, and Clemson. He's getting a feel for them, a live look that he would not get. He is getting a scouting advantage. So not only, but here's the other thing. I've been to a million pro days, not a million, a large, you know, hundred plus pro days in my life. And it takes, I talked about Sam Darnold earlier. It takes Sam Darnold-like player 
to get a head coach to come. And, and typically that head coach is coming because they are watching that quarterback. And Belichick, it doesn't take a player that he might end up drafting. It takes Bill Belichick getting there because he knows he might end up playing that quarterback. I don't think he's going there to scout, what if I could trade up to get Bradley Chubb? No, he knows there's a decent chance he may see Bradley Chubb in a game. I read a Al Davis biography within the last six months. It was excellent. Uh, highly recommend it. And it talked about Al Davis had a philosophy that he would send his defensive coordinator to watch like the top five or six quarterbacks every year at their pro day. Obviously, the majority of the time, they were not going to draft that player. And the defensive coordinator had nothing to do, you know, whether they were going to draft that player or not. He was going to scout that quarterback because he knew that maybe later they would play that quarterback the next year, especially if there was a team in his division that might be drafting that quarterback, so he might play him twice a year. That's what Belichick is doing to the rest of the NFL. So while the the rest of the NFL is you know at random pro days watching guys they might draft, Belichick is watching guys he's going to play. So, and on top of that, he goes to a, basically a pro day every day for like four straight weeks. I would say most head coaches or even quote-unquote general managers may go to three or four pro days. I bet Belichick bangs out 15 to 20 pro days every year at the most important schools. So he's seeing these schools that are producing not just one first rounder. He goes to Alabama, they're banging out four or five. He's going to play probably three of them next year, definitely within the next couple years. He is so ahead of the curve, and you're combining this just drive of work ethic. I, I, this is going to sound crazy, and, and I might, you might be able to prove me wrong, but I thought about this a lot the last several days. I think there's a chance that Bill Belichick is the greatest employee. employee. Now, there are obviously non-player, because Michael Jordan, I, I'd put it right up there. The greatest employee, non-player, not just in the history of sports, but in the history of America. Because I think when you think about most large companies, like Hugh Hefner, for example, he owned the company. He ran the company. So even a Warren Buffett, uh, Steve Jobs, a Jeff Bezos, those guys run or own the company. Belichick does not own or, I mean, technically runs it, but Bob Kraft's in charge. He is just an employee. I do think there's a chance. Again, there are probably some examples that we can make a legit argument. He's the greatest employee, definitely most talented employee, non-athlete and non-like musician we've ever seen. He's so much smarter than every other head coach. And in a league that has so many guys that work so hard, I I worked down the hall from Andy Reid. Andy had the greatest work ethic I've ever witnessed in my entire life. I don't even know if there was a close second. Just the ultimate grinder. If I had to pick one guy to just outwork any person that I've ever met, I don't know Bill Belichick. I would choose Andy Reid, and I wouldn't even hesitate. His just work ethic is relentless. It's like he doesn't even need sleep. He just goes and goes. That's what Belichick is. But, I mean, I really do think he doesn't sleep. But he's also smarter. A coach once told me about a player when I was in Philly we acquired. He said he's the worst combination in life. And I, and, I, and I do think this is so true, not just with players, but just really in any aspect of life. And he said the player was dumb and lazy. 
And the coach had a great point. He's like, you know what? You you can overcome dumb as a player, as you know. And I think in any aspect of life, I'm not that smart to be honest with you. You can overcome dumb if you work really hard, and you just you just have a determination, a relentless attitude. You can overcome being not as quote unquote intellectually book smart, whatever. But it's pretty hard to overcome lazy. And I, I think on the flip side. Like, the smartest people are not always the most successful people. But it is basically impossible to fail when you are smart, like Belichick clearly is, and your work ethic is basically a 10 out of 10. Not only will you not fail, you will have, you know, I don't know if he can have any more success. He is running circles around the league. He is doing things, he is doing this, the Al Davis move. But he's the coach, you know, and he's, the, I, I think, one of the only coaches in NFL history that could literally, he might be the only coach in NFL history that could coach every position from quarterback down to your kicker and punter, can coach every position, knows every element, every teaching point of the position. I don't think we'll ever see it again in football. It's it's easier to find in basketball in baseball, it's probably a little hit or miss. You know, you get guys that are more pitching-oriented or hitting-oriented. Belichick can coach everything from the quarterback to the right tackle to the receiver to the linebacker to the punter to the holder to the snapper to the to the kickoff unit. He knows it all. And he's out working you. I, I think every day uh, on Twitter, when you see Belichick at one of these pro days, and the day I saw him at Georgia working out Roquan Smith, he's not going to draft Roquan Smith. But you know what? He might play the Raiders in the first round of the playoffs, and Roquan Smith might be their middle linebacker. <laughs> and he's going to have, just even if it's just a 2% advantage of that day that he spent with them at the pro day. He was there. He didn't get the information from his scouts. He saw it live. That's an advantage that he'll have that no one else will have. And he's getting these advantages every stop he gets on the circuit that he goes on every year. I just I, I feel as, as a sports fan, it's just... It's just greatness. He is so freaking brilliant. And I don't even think most people realize it. Let's end on this. Everything in life is cyclical. Same, same with sports. 45 minutes down the road from my house are three of the most powerful companies in the world. Uh, one of them didn't even exist 15 years ago in Facebook. The other didn't exist, you know, what, 20-plus years ago in, in Google. And obviously, Apple's been around for a while. But they dominate the world. I mean, they combine, they have more money than God. They can steal employees from basically any business all over the world at, at the drop of a hat. They're, they basically run the world. Google, Apple, Facebook, right or wrong. That, that won't be the case in 10 years. Things will change. But right now, they are on top, and they are a major reason that the Bay Area these last five years has basically had one of the great economic runs in the history of the world. I mean, it's pretty crazy. Trust me, I see it every day when I try to buy a $20 salad for lunch. But I, I did an exercise this week. I wrote an article for The Athletic uh, talking about the 49ers, and one of the sexier teams it's going to be basically for the next six months till the season starts of a team that many people are going to pick to potentially make the playoffs and maybe even win the division. And I, I kind of looked at where they stacked in the NFC because in theory you go, oh, Jimmy Garoppolo, stud quarterback, Kyle Shanahan, stud head coach, they got a chance. And then you start looking at it and you go, well, maybe they don't have 
at a good a chance as you think. Because the NFC right now, kind of like Silicon Valley, is on a different level than the AFC. Beside Belichick and Brady, I don't even think there's an AFC AFC team that would crack the top five in the NFC. I love the Pittsburgh Steelers, but I can't buy that defense. The Jacksonville Jaguars, unreal roster. Blake Bortles, their quarterback. Obviously, the Philadelphia Eagles just won the Super Bowl. Have two quarterbacks that you could win the Super Bowl with. The roster is absolutely loaded. Howie Roseman, Doug Peterson turned out to be a dynamic combination. They are not going away. Most people would put Minnesota second, but I I started thinking about it. The New Orleans Saints have a better quarterback, have a very, very deep roster, have a team now that looks very good on defense. Depending on where Ndamukong Sue lands, as the recording of this podcast, he has not picked a team, but it looks like the Saints are heavily in the mix. That I think the New Orleans the New Orleans Saints for for my money might be my pick might be my preseason pick to win the Super Bowl. Now I I couldn't put them with a straight face above the Philadelphia Eagles, but I got them number two at number three. Who this team might have the best roster in the league. They just added a quarterback. They paid eighty four million dollars every penny guaranteed to in Kirk Cousins, which was an upgrade. Is the Minnesota Vikings, and the L.A. Rams aren't even the next team. And they're a team that most people would predict to win 12-plus games. Added to keep to leave, trade for Marcus Peters, have this young hot shot of a head coach. I, I, if Aaron Rodgers is healthy, everyone, I, I'm not picking the L.A. Rams over the Green Bay Packers. Like, do not sleep on the Green Bay Packers. The Green Bay Packers did not make the playoffs in the NFC, obviously because Aaron Rodgers' collarbone shattered. But that's a pretty big curveball coming back. Then, obviously, the Rams added a bunch. They're going to be really good. I got another team for you. And I think sometimes we kind of laugh at them because their owner's kind of crazy. Uh, they, they they feel dysfunctional, but they're kind of functional. The Dallas Cowboys last year went 9-7. and seven. The best player on their team. Let me repeat. The best player on their team. Most impactful player, Ezekiel Elliott. Missed six games. If he hadn't been suspended, they would have easily made the playoffs. So you're talking about two teams. The Green Bay Packers, who, you know... As just a pure talent, I, I'd say Tom Brady is the better, had the better career. Aaron Rodgers in a vacuum is a better player. Have the best quarterback in the NFL. They didn't make the, they didn't make the playoffs either. So you got both those two teams that did not make the playoffs that are going to come back. Aaron Rodgers is going to be healthy, and Ezekiel Elliott's not going to be suspended. Then you look at a team like the Atlanta Falcons. Just a couple years ago, Matt Ryan won the MVP. Look at their roster. From Julio Jones to Devontae Freeman to on defense, Deion Jones. They are really good. They're really talented. I don't love Sark, their play caller. He cost them a chance to basically uh, uh, play in the NFC Championship game with just a horrific, a horrific, an all-time terrible sequence of play calls in the red zone against the Eagles. That being said, they overcame Steve Sarkeesian and were still in the second round of the NFL playoffs this year. They got pelts on their wall. Now, they've never won a Super Bowl, but that team, Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, they've played in a lot of big games. I'm at Team 8. I haven't even mentioned the 49ers yet. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo is one of the best quarterbacks that we've ever seen, signed a $137 million quarterback that's only started seven games, but he's a stud. Kyle Shanahan might be the best offensive play caller in the league. Now, the difference with the 49ers compared to all those teams I just listed, they they don't have the roster talent, but I think that the Niners can't with a straight face crack the top seven. And honestly, I put the Carolina Panthers below them 
because Cam's an absolute roller coaster ride. Their best player, Luke Keekley, at any moment can get a concussion. But say what you want, the Carolina Panthers, when healthy, are a playoff-level team. Ron Rivera's been to the playoffs a bunch of times. Think how stacked this conference is. I don't know if we've ever seen this conference this deep. You know, growing up, the 49ers, the Cowboys, and then Brett Favre came to the Green Bay Packers, and they got the NFC was really top-heavy. Uh, a couple years ago when the Niners and Seahawks were rolling, you know, Denver and, and New England, it, it was clear Seattle and San Francisco, their peak was just better than, than the Peyton Manning-led Broncos and New England. But the depth of the conference was not this. I, I did not even mention the Seattle Seahawks. Now, granted, they've gotten rid of a lot of their star players, but they still have Russell Wilson. They still have Pete Carroll. You, you can they. I, I love John Schneider. I think he's a big-time general manager. You can never just discount them. I don't know. Remember the the uh, the West, a lot of the 2000s, but three or four years ago, teams that were basically like 48 wins in the NBA did not make the playoffs. I think you're looking at an NFC this year. Now, it's a little different because a lot of teams play each other, so you're not going to have like eight 12-win teams. It's, it's impossible. But I, I think you're going to have several teams, like five or six teams, at nine or ten wins, just competing for that wild card. And just because you're a nine-win team, and you saw this the 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 first time the New York Giants won the Super Bowl, they went nine and seven, and they got to the playoffs, you're like, damn, they, they are a really good nine-win team. You can get a nine-win team in the NFC next year that could win the whole thing. Now, again, the Saints are going to be my pick, unless a major injury happens to Breeze, but I think they're going to be my pick. That being said, the Eagles are stacked. The Vikings are unreal. The Packers are going to have Rodgers back. Zeke's going to be there for the Cowboys. The the L.A. Rams, they're they're going to have a lot of pressure on them, but their roster is pretty damn good. The sexy pick is going to be the 49ers and Jimmy and Kyle. Then you got Cam and Matty Ice. Russell Wilson is is still alive last time I checked. The NFC is as good as it gets. And this cyclical, it's not going to last forever, but I I think we saw it last year. You're going to see it again this year and, and probably the following year. This is going to be as competitive of a conference as I ever remember in my life of watching the National Football League, and I can't wait. Well, that'll do it for another episode of 3 and Out with John Middlecoff. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Again, you can find us anywhere you listen to podcasts, iHeartRadio, iTunes. If you subscribe, rate, and if you leave a review, just leave a question in the review section. I will get to it throughout, especially as we come, any draft questions, any free agency questions, coaching questions, anything. Uh, and we'll talk about it leading up to the NFL draft that actually is not that far away. Just, you know, like 35, 36 days away. I can't wait. Thanks again. Three and Out Podcast, Colin Coward Podcast Network. This is John Middlecoff. Enjoy the day. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class. 
and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash credit card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh my, look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.